You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. So Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM program Reflections uh, with your host Zubair Akram. And my guest, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, all the way from Istanbul. I'm not sure where else he's been today, but we'll ask. Um, <laughs> Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah of the Quran. And uh, inshallah, we'll be covering, going straight into the Surah. Ayahs 44 to 47 is what we will be uh, bringing you the uh, recitation and its translation and commentary from Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. So Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah, these three ayahs. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. But on the contrary, we have provided good things for these disbelievers and their fathers until life was prolonged for them. Then do they not see that we set upon the land, reducing it from its borders? So it is they who will overcome. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أُنذِرُكُمْ بِالْوَحْيِ وَلَا يَسْمَعُ الصُّمُّ الدُّعَاءَ إِذَا مَا يُنذَرُونَ Say, I only warn you by revelation, but the deaf do not hear the call when they are warned. And if as much as a whiff of the punishment of your Lord should touch them, they would surely say, O oh, woe to us! Indeed, we have been wrongdoers. And اصل بات یہ ہے کہ ان لوگوں کو اور ان کے آبا و اجداد کو ہم زندگی کا سر و سامان دیے چلے گئے یہاں تک کہ ان کو دن لگ گئے مگر کیا انہیں نظر نہیں آتا کہ ہم زمین کو مختلف سمتوں سے گھٹاتے چلے آ رہے ہیں پھر کیا یہ غالب آ جائیں گے ان سے کہہ دو میں تو وہی کی بنا پر تمہیں متنبع کر رہا ہوں مگر بہرے پکار کو نہیں سنا کرتے جبکہ انہیں خبردار کیا جائے اور اگر تیرے رب کا عذاب ذرا سا انہیں چھو جائے تو ابھی چیخ انہیں کی ہائے ہماری کمبختی بے شک ہم خطاوار تھے قیامت کے روز ہم ٹھیک ٹھیک تولنے والے ترازو رکھ دیں گے پھر کسی شخص پر ذرہ برابر ظلم نہ ہوگا جس کا رائی کے دانے برابر بھی کچھ کیا دھرا ہوگا 
کو ہم سامنے لے آئیں گے اور حساب لگانے کے لیے ہم کافی ہیں صدق اللہ العظیم یارب سخت آیا تھا بھائی آج کی تو یا اللہ جی شیخ فورٹی فور سے فورٹی سیون سو دیز آیاز ویل ہیو ان شاء اللہ کانٹیکس ویل ہیو کامنٹری فرام شیخ رضوان السلام علیکم شیخ علیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ Sheikh, I just got straight into these ayahs because we have, uh, which I wasn't fully aware, uh, some charity appeal as well uh, mm-hmm. within this. Um, uh, we'll be introducing Radio Ramadan charities within Reflections program as well. So mm-hmm. let's maybe have the first segment fully focused on these ayahs and inshallah the next segment we will go on to uh, reminding the listeners of Radio Ramadan charity appeals. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman So... This is um this continues on verse number 44 continues on with the the, the um discussion around um appointments and time and um the whole fact of the hisab being appointed so if something's appointed you you expect it to come to an attend so people have appointments they come and attend but some people don't care about the appointments some people don't even think that there's any need to you know kind of proceed and take things seriously if this if it's, an, if it's a serious appointment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in this context of a person's salvation um it may well be that they refuse and you know you'd imagine at that point that what happened to the previous prophets which was punishment and um torture of various natures would afflict those people as well but at the time of the prophet we know that um that the punishment was you know suspended for the the, the community of the prophet ali salatu so we can look at that later but basically allah would not punish the the people around him while he was there and he would also not punish the people while there was people making istighfar so So Allah SWT gives them a long leash, as, as we say. You know, gives them free reign, a long leash. So Allah says, So you just let these people um, enjoy themselves. Mut'a. Mut'a is to enjoy and to take full advantage of pleasures. And also, not just these people, وَآبَاءَهُمْ And also their, their forefathers as well that came before them. حَتَّى طَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْعُمَرِ Until the point that their their life comes to its extended end, and it, it becomes prolonged, and so it's an extended period of time that they're allowed to enjoy. And remember, if you see people who are promised, um, you know, their just desserts, not getting any kind of just dessert, you see them enjoying themselves. It it really does make you wonder um, whether there's any kind of truth with the promise at all. You know. You know, because they always say, "Mata had al-wa'dun kuntum sadiqin." So their their constant retort to believers is, "When is this judgment if you're believers or if you're true?" Hmm. And obviously, in the Quran is saying we're going to give them a long leash, you know, extended period of time. Afala um, yarona, and then after that, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Afala yarona, anna nati al-arda nanqusuha min atrafiha." So this is interesting because. It's almost as if this lease that they have and this free reign that they have, slowly around it is this noose that is slowly but surely coming in and about to entrap them. 
And so the, the, the metaphor here is that the, the Earth is around them, open expanses that they can do whatever they want, whether metaphorically or physically. So they can go wherever they want physically. They can do what they want on the Earth. Or you can say, you know, they have free reign to do anything they want in, in life, choices. Mm -hmm. But slowly but surely, this, this, um, this noose, which is, you know, goes around a person's neck, is slowly tightening. So Allah says, أَفَلَا يَرَوْنَ أَنَّا نَأْتِي الْأَرْضَ مِنْ أَطْرَافِهَا Do they not then wonder and, and, and are aware of the fact that we will come to the earth and we will, you know, cut it and shorten it for their existence? So it's almost as if, you know, the playing field that they were enjoying themselves in will all of a sudden become very, very difficult. You know, they do this, um, you know, if, if, you know, there's countries that impose economic sanctions on other countries. But they also impose them on people. So you'll know that, um, you know, people, the high echelons of a regime will be under sanction, for example, from America or from the UK. So their, so their assets or their traveling um, ability to travel will be curtailed. And this is like a, a sanction that people have. And so it's very similar to this, that all of a sudden, where they can enjoy themselves and their options will be very, very severely limited. And then Allah says, غالبون, so do you then consider them to be the people that will be victorious and prevail? Hmm. Because essentially, you know, if they're allowed to do what they want, you would imagine they're, they're going to be victorious and the, the end will be in accordance with what they want. But Allah is saying, look, slowly but surely, this is going to become straightened for them to the point that they will have no play, they'll have no um, field of play. And so then how can they consider themselves to be victorious or being prevalent? And so the Prophet is then simply told, Qul bilwahi. And the Prophet is told by Allah, Say, O Muhammad, that I've only been ordered to warn you by means of revelation. You know, in other words, the promise. Because remember, the revelation is all, for them is all about the promise that there will be an end time, there will be a judgment, and there will be a time where you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what wahi is revelation. But then, you know, you have revelation and you have the warning and then what happens? <coughs> and then, you know, it's possible that a person who is deaf cannot hear somebody calling. At the point at which they're warned. And so it's not the fault of the Prophet that these people are unable to then hear. You know, it just happens sometimes that people are um, deaf to... Reality, not physically dead, they can hear, but they're deaf to any reminder, any warning, any, you know, recollection of what is in store for them or any kind of proof, in fact, that, you know, what happened to previous nations will also come to them. And so, so this is all about this, this kind of ends the section about appointments and time and perception of time and, and how much time we have on earth and how much, you know, the kind of idea that, you know, even amongst Muslims that we will enjoy ourselves and then hajj and praying and religiosity and the beard, all these things will come much later on. You know, the trappings of religion, in other words. We'll, we'll allow ourselves to enjoy as much as we can. And then, you know, when the bones get difficult, when they become brittle and the backs become stiff, then we will don the, you know, the religious garb and then we will start to work for the akhirah. There's nothing wrong with that from the perspective of saying, don't do it. But the perception of saying that in your mind when you're young 
is a type of, you know, in Arabic we call jur'a, jurrat. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, very dangerous type of um, jura in, in English is, is audacity. Hmm. That First of all, who told you you're going to live until you're, you're 50, 60, 70, 80? That's it. I mean, first of all, you know, in fact, I don't have to number anything else. Like who on earth told you that you're going to continue to live? And who said you'll be able to have the health and, and the wealth to be able to um, relax and worship? What if, you're, what if you have no money? What if you have to work till you're 80? You know, we have people in uh, all over the world who, who are in their in the depths of their of their elder elderly age years, and they're having to work because nobody's supporting them. So, the qada and qadr of Allah is that if you have the opportunity to sort yourself out in your life, right, you do it now. You don't you don't wait until. Conversely, right in, in this, <laughs> in in fact, we have allowed enjoyment for these. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Enjoyment for these people. Uh, and their forefathers was for such a long time. So when you see someone in a so state... It means that until they had an extended experience of this. You know, so to the point you, that if they forget if, that there's any kind of um, recompense. So if, if, an, if an individual... Today I was actually, uh, again, somewhere uh, for, for business. <coughs> this guy, while we were waiting started telling me stories of how they started in 1950s and how his parents uh, set up this business and there were only four of them in that in that mall and now there are 400 but his mm -hmm. family and the ones who were there are no more the big names that they were then in that market they they are not present and he the guy in his 70s he was he was reminiscing how he had seen the full cycle of people who used to be on the top are not on the uh, on the top. In this ayah, is it almost a given that when people you see families, individuals who are living in in, in relative ease, is nadawila bainahum in that cycle that they are almost certainly going to go to the other end of the cycle? It's it's not it's not it's not. Um questioned at all that the cycle exists because we see it you know um in fact i was, I was reading about the the founder of the tata steel conglomerate in india it said that when he got to his 70s and he's he's uh, the head of the, the one the most probably the most the most um affluent families in india and you know ranks very high in the world as well but by the age he was 70 he went to you know a personal therapist and he, and he said to me take everything because not now I realize that in, everything that I had is now insignificant in the face of the difficulties of old age mm. do you understand yeah. so so that's somebody on the way down all that wealth you know how, how for how long can you have you know um, how, how, how physically enjoyed can your body become and um until it becomes second nature. You know, if you get the best food, the best, you know, females or males around you and the best fashion and the best, you know, cars, at some point it becomes second nature and it becomes normal, at which point yeah. you realize there's nothing essentially there and then you start going for really cheap things. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you've experienced it once, okay, experience for a year, then what's, what's left? Then you realize that, what is valuable is character. Character is the most important and most expensive 
mm. and rarest thing that you can get. I, I know that from experience that you there's so many people that are really, really, really rich, and I meet them all the time. But it's, it's insignificant. It's not as if I know that person's rich. I, I have heard the person's rich, but to me, it's like if there's 10 people in the room and there's people, what attracts me as a person with character? But there is a fine line between this and this attitude of Muslims sometimes not progressing because of this attitude that dunya is nothing, it's, it's a miserable place and it's like worse than a dead sheep. Mm-hmm. And then they don't progress. The, the, the civilization is based on your personal or communal capacity that you have. Mm. Yeah, I know, but, it, no, but no, one's, no one's saying that's not the case. Okay. It's like it's, uh, Imam Sufyan Athori said, Fi zaman, al-mal silah al-mu'min. He's, you know, Sufyan Athori, great scholar of hadith, muhaddith, and scholar of fiqh, and, he, and also of tasawwuf. He said in our time, in meaning in his time, which is in the third century, he's saying that the, the weapon of the believer is wealth. Hmm. So, you know, he realized that, you know, different points in Islamic history, different things were important. His point, he realized that you could do so much with wealth if you have the right intention. That is just, uh, and like the Prophet says, you know, لا dunya He said, do not curse the world because how how useful it is, it's the riding beast of the believer. Riding wow. beast meaning, you know the thing that you'd ride to get from A to B? Like if you want to get yeah. from Lahore to Peshawar, you can you can go on a scooter or you can get a deluxe, you know, ride and get there. If you've got something to do there, you need to be there fresh. Yeah. And what's the point of being a darwish and like having buckled knees by the time you get there and not being able to do what you need to do? You know, it goes against our religious principles in the first place. Okay. It, 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 there's no teaching there that um, indicates that you go through frugal means. It just means you have a longer hisab. <laughs> mm, so, okay. this means you, you, your your wait in the queue is slightly longer. And if you have a good, and if you have if you've made good decisions and you're aware of why you're making decisions, then you know. I, I reckon that different people are created differently, so they're hardwired different. Some would always. It's like you know, it's like Imam Malik radiallahu anhu. He has probably one piece of clothing Imam Malik wore in his his life. One piece of clothing he wore in a majlis was probably equal to what Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal wore for his whole life. Vessel. Do you understand? Like, if you got all the Imam Ahmed's clothes that he wore in his life. And you put them and you sold them and you sold one of the cloaks that Imam Malik used to wear to teach hadith. I guarantee, I'm almost guaranteed because I've looked at the kind of figures of, of what things used to cost the, you know, cost in the past. Imam, one of Imam Malik's um, piece of clothing was around £10,000. English currency, sterling. So it's like $12,000. Oh, okay. So then... You know, yeah. Imam Ahmed was known to basically buy the, the, the most easily obtainable, cheapest clothing. And so all of his students, Imam Ahmed's students, were known to be of that nature, frugal and um, not disheveled, but, you know, meager in their means. Whereas Imam Malik, he was asked about it, and he says, I'm doing it to honor the hadith of Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There was, he's not doing it to wear it, he's doing it because when he taught hadith, he put it on to honor the hadith. He wasn't honoring himself. He had to honor the thing he was teaching. And so money's relative. Money is a test. 
and and the Prophet's words are amazing. Matiyat al-Mu'min, you know, the, the riding beast to the believer. Now, if you're going to get from A to B, you always choose the best means of transport, the most efficient. You know, now nowadays we'd say the most ecologically, um, you know, acceptable, um, you know, ethically, all the rest of it. Safe as well, if you want to you know, protect your safety and your that of your family, then that's just part and parcel of the way we are. The world is here for ourselves. You know, the world is here for our use. It's not as if, yeah. and it's not here for our yeah. abuse. So, so I said use, not abuse. So it's also important to understand that. As so, well. g g getting back to the science, so is, is it almost given that this cycle that we see, witness, exists, and almost guaranteed that uh, so this ayah relates to that ayah, Nadawila Baina Homes. So, we, we circulate the days in between individuals and nations. Yeah, that, that's, that's a verse a bit more about um, about war and, and victories. But this is what wealth, this is about the fact that it's not as if people, no, this is not exactly the same because this is more about the fact that we know which direction this is going, which is that it won't be that one day they win and one day we win or of that nature or one day one civilization is is in the in 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 the actual ascendancy and then then another for example but what it means here is that there's only one direction that a disbelieving nation can go in relation to truth because this discussion is all about truth and falsehood and so the appointment will definitely come whereas you know the changing of civilizations is a cyclic thing like ibn khaldun talks about you know civilizations they you know they rise and they fall based upon good times and bad times it's like you know, Ibn Khaldun, he says, if I can remember it, he said that, um, you know, bad times create great leaders and great leaders create good times and good times create bad leaders and bad leaders create bad times. Who create good leaders, who create good times. You know, it's like a cycle. So basically that's how it works. The, the way it works is oh, yeah. civilizations and societies, they just go up and down, up and down. One day it's this or one year, or one decade, or one century. It's this civilization, and it just can, can, continues to go like that. But after finishing that discussion, there is um, just a, a reality check for the, the, the um, I would say, the tolerance, the tolerance level, pain threshold level of these people that are disbelieving in God. You know, like we have a, a you know, I don't know what your pain threshold level is. I'm always told that women have a higher pain threshold level because um, they give birth, that's their excuse or their proof. Um, but in this verse, it provides a um, a, a kind of a, a, a test of the disbeliever's ability to take a test, and it shows us that they can they are unable to even take the most fleeting, insignificant, paltry um, test from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala of pain. Because in this verse, which is verse number forty-six, it's it's extremely poetic in its in its structure, poetic in in, in in linguistic sense, and it paints a picture of something so insignificant having such an a, a, a impactful um, effect on a disbeliever. So Allah says, "Wala in masathum." So each word is just each each of these words that come up in this verse is just setting up an image of something so light, like the lightest feather you can imagine. 
as being the, the pain that God will inflict upon these people. And they will right away admit everything. You know, like, you know, you know, the Guantanamo Bay fiasco that we have where people are waterboarded. And, you know, the, the most amazing thing you can see about that is politicians and and leaders talking about, you know, the need for, you know, a place like Guantanamo Bay, especially American politicians. Oh, we need to have this, you know, things like waterboarding and torture techniques. All of those are to, to elicit what? Confessions. And we all know that confessions elicited under torture are basically not worth it because if you're, I mean, if I was on one of these panels, I would ask them, "Have you ever been waterboarded?" And I would have a bucket there with a, with a towel, and at least they would know what they're talking about. Because mm. you know, the thing is, when when you're in a situation where something is so unbearable, you see anything. That's you. If you feel that your life, you know, waterboarding basically make simulates drowning, slow drowning for anybody, even if you can swim, it doesn't make any difference. And so at that moment in time, you can admit anything you'd write to be given. You know, and so the Quran says that there'll be a situation where we won't, we won't waterboard, we won't torture. We will just give them what? And if for argument's sake, they have the slightest touch, nafhatun is like a waft, you know, like a small breeze of something. You know, a small breeze of, breeze of something just, you know, just passes by them, doesn't even touch them properly, just passes by them. Min adabi rabbik, from the, the punishment, from a punishment of your Lord, a punishment. And it's not just, it's not the punishment, it's not the big punishment, it's adab, it's like a test. And it's only a small bit. Min adab, you know, and if even a small paltry amount of God's, of, of a punishment from God was to brush past them, what would they say? لَيَقُولَنَّ يَا وَيْلَنَا They would definitely end up professing, you know, woe be to us, إِنَّ كُنَّ ظَالِمِينَ You know, woe be to us because we were so unjust with ourselves. Admitted everything, you know, everything we did on earth, every every kind of opportunity to disobey God or stand in, in the face of truth, we admit that we were completely in the wrong. We were, in fact, wronging ourselves and wronging other people. And so all of a sudden, that small thing, if that's the, the reality, when they just see from a distance the punishment, how will it be when they see the, has, the hisab and the, and the adab in reality? So this verse is, is such, it's such an amazing verse because it, it shows you to prove that what they're saying is wrong and what God is saying is right. You don't need to provide all the, all the evidence. You don't need to provide all of the the, the, the experience of what they will have to face, it's sufficient that you have nafhatum min adabi rabbik, just a semblance of a type of punishment from God. And they will admit everything. <clears throat> and at that point, when they've admitted everything, Allah says we will place down the the um, the scales for, for qist, which is to adjudicate or to measure on the day of judgment and on that day فَلَا تُظْلَمُ نَفْسٌ and at that, on that day no soul will be um, you know treated unjustly in any way شَيْئًا even a small small thing وَإِنْ كَانَ مِثْقَالَ حَبَّةٍ and even if it was, were to be a, a seed of a mustard so a mustard seed which is tiny مِنْ خَرْدَلٍ even if they had something good, which was the like of a small mustard seed, 
we would bring it good or evil. And are we not the best and is sufficient and suffice with us as being you know, the best of, of those that judge or those that weigh or those that take to account or reckoners? Um, and so all of a sudden, all the, you know, all the arguments that they had from the beginning of the very chapter, all of those arguments and, and, and disbelief um, mechanisms that they had in place, all of them, all the, they all disappeared really quickly with this verse 46. And if even a small portion of God's punishment was to brush past them, they would say, woe to us, we've been unjust. And so everything disappears, all that, you know, rhetoric and, you know, bravery that they have and this, you know, talk, talk, talk all the time, all disappears. This was nafha. Nafha, you can see in the Arabic, the word nafha is like this small waft, this breeze, or this this wind, or, you know, light breeze of something, just passing, brushing past them. To the point that, you know, if you're walking about in the summer and it's really hot and there's no wind, and all of a sudden you just get this slight, you know, breeze, breeze that, yeah. that you feel, ah, oh, it's a breeze. You almost don't notice it, and many people don't notice it, but that is sufficient for them in this context, that will be sufficient, that kind of feeling will be sufficient for them to just fall apart. And so what does it tell you? In this verse, there's a lot of takhweef, which is foreboding, and warning, and and fear, uh, entrenching of fear, because if that's the case with just a distant, you know, radiation of the fire of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the punishment of God, then how about the real thing? And that foreboding is very, very clear here. Six minutes past eight today. Iftar is at eight fifty-six. Um, uh, reflections with Sheikh Radwan Muhammad. And uh, today, inshallah, we're going to introduce some of the Ramadan charities. One being uh, helping uh, children in Pakistan with this uh, school system, Ghazali Education Trust, uh, and we'll be bringing a guest for some time after this segment just to introduce the concept of what they are doing and inshallah we'll discuss the benefits of charity giving in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also uh, what benefits it brings to us and the recipients themselves as well a short ad break uh, a track that we have for this um, Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakum Salam <laughs> 